Welcome to Redemption Hill podcast. For more information about Redemption Hill, go to redemptionshill.com. good to be here um, with you. Um, Ten-year anniversary. Um, man, I don't know if I should be old enough to be able to have that, but here we are. Um, <clears throat> just spending some time thinking about it, it's really hard to believe that uh, in October of 2011, um, <clears throat> we gathered for our first public service um, if you were there, we pulled up a trailer uh, to the Ark in Columbia, uh, probably about three o'clock or so. Uh, all hands were on deck to uh, haul in a ha- uh, sound system, uh, some Bibles, and next to no kids stuff because we had literally no kids. Uh, and, and we just started it. We set up for uh, what's now over, and this is what I was talking to uh, Garrett about this morning, now over 500 services uh, that we've had uh, together. So uh, to give you a glimpse of the early time, we had a committed core of about 15 people, and each of them were uh, indispensable, dedicated members of the Setup Teardown crew. Uh, there, was <laughs> there was no rotation. If you were with us, pick up a speaker. We have work to do. Uh, and, and that's kind of how we, we started. Uh, there was no coffee bar, no fancy stuff, just people who served sacrificially to get this thing off uh, the ground. So just even as we think of 10 years, just my heart's super thankful about that. If you were there in those early days or if you came later at the ark, if you were there for the K-Life days, right, where we covered up all their holes in the wall and just tried to not make it look like it was, uh, if you came sometime here in the SDA building, no matter when you came, if you came and you pitched in, helped set up speakers, uh, take care of kids, work and hospitality, any of that stuff, man, just thank you. Uh, sincerely, a church only happens if people work together. Uh, churches and services and plants don't happen through people at, who ask only, what's in this for me? Uh, but instead, people who serve. So I'm, I'm just really grateful. If you've done that and you've been with us, man, you're, you're a part of this story. Our 10-year story is wrapped up in your story and in mine. So, man, I hope that you are, are hopeful and you're excited. We, we really wouldn't have this if we weren't together. If you're newer here uh, and, and you haven't done that, uh, hey, I can teach you how to put up a speaker and even roll up a cord the right way. So you can, you can jump in. Uh, for, for that uh, as well. But uh, this week we'll be in the sixth and final sermon in our Identity and Vision series. Uh, if you've missed any of them, they're all up on, on podcasts, so, so check those out because we really want to be on uh, the same page. It, it's, um, it's been said that no matter how much you preach about vision in a church, do it again uh, because once you think it is understood, it, it's probably not. So just keep going over it over and over and over again. So that's why we've kind of set this up before our 10-year anniversary to look over our our vision text, our DNA elements. Last week, we focused on something a little bit different, something that we felt like God was kind of correcting and and honing in us, which is mature gospel responses, that our only response to all things God isn't just repent, but we, we should be able to celebrate and give thanks as well. Uh, and then this week, we're going to be in another area, and it's, I need to say this ahead, it's not an area of, of correction, but it's an area of maybe clarified vigor towards pressing in one direction. So I'll try and explain that. When we look at the cultural landscape that we find ourselves in, there's just a lot 
happening. And we look at what's taking shape around us. Uh, and this specific area of vision really is needed at this moment to major on it and not minor on it in the world that we live in. Uh, what we'll call this one for this final and last sermon for this series is, is we are hoping to live in well and grow in what we'll call a faithful biblical worldview. And those words are, are really, really important. And just even at, at the, at the uh, onset of this, we're not saying, hey, we want to become better fundamentalists, but we want to be faithful in letting the Bible teach us how to look at the world and everything that comes at us in the world. We want to be anchored to uh, the word of God. And here's what we want to mature in a, a little bit, or not necessarily mature in, but, but keep pressing into. We want to be anchored to the word of God, not just in here, but out there. Uh, we want to understand how the, the word forms, how we live in, and, and kind of navigate all the things coming at us in, in the world. And while this pursuit may seem automatic or a given for, for you if a believer, I, I don't think it uh, probably automatically is, especially right now in the culture that we live in, because the culture is changing at such an incredible speed on us. Um, that if we're not careful, we're not going to be able to navigate the pace of the changes that are coming at us, and we won't know how to apply the word of God to all those changes coming at us. So what we'll end up doing, there's these changes over and over and over, and they demand that you figure out how to navigate them. And if we can't do that, what we're going to end up doing is popping up our computer and YouTubing. How do we rightly view X, Y, or Z? Uh, how, how do we see this? Which honestly, guys, is a recipe for disaster. Wikipedia and YouTube are not the places to figure out what to think on all the issues that are coming around us. So this is why we need and want to hold on to and even get better at and more deeply rooted in a faithful biblical worldview uh, together so we can be really equipped for what comes at us and navigate all the ideologies that are going to come our way. And I'll push this even a little bit further about what I mean about cultural change. Author uh, Joseph Boot says in his book, Gospel Witness, which is fantastic, he says, things literally unthinkable to my grandparents' generation have become established social orthodoxy in ours. And what he was saying is things that people had never even heard of or thought of or conceived two generations ago are now in our world, they're normal, they're accepted, they're good, and they're championed. This historical way uh, of, of looking at many things has just changed on us. And beyond that, not only has the way things are looked at changed, uh, the idea of truth is now different as well. Our world increasingly believes more in, in what is called personal truth or relative truth, your truth or my truth over the truth or universal truth, and that makes it really difficult to walk in. Additionally, not only have the rules around the, the world changed, but also the terms for how to navigate the rules have also changed on us. In our modern world, when things are changing, what happens is the culture demands that you get on board and you make a decision about what you think about each change or ideology really, really fast as it comes. And if you do not accept or, or navigate well in the right way the things that are coming at you, th then there is some sort of of shaming or punishment or cancellation or, or loss of social standing or even loss of jobs. In case you, you think we're going too far, there, there are members and people at our church that are at risk of, of losing their jobs now just for trying to stand in a concreteness of what they believe. We're not trying to be alarmist, but we are trying to go, how do we prepare for all the things 
that are coming at us. So brand new orthodoxies have been created all around us, ideas and ways of thinking, and we become heretics if we do not grasp a hold of those. That puts us in kind of a scary place where we're always on our heels going, I don't want to be on the wrong side of any of this coming at us. The pace at which all these new things come are just a little bit overwhelming. And here's the other side. The stakes of those things are also growing. Uh, Because if we don't accept things quickly enough, the world will haze us for it. And if we accept the wrong things out of fear, we'll deny God by it. Maybe even accidentally rejecting him when we don't mean to. So we want to be better equipped with a biblical worldview, uh, not just because we're fearful of, of getting things wrong, but so that we can be equipped to live in the world. We're not isolationists. We don't want to get away from the world. We want to be able to be anchored to the world that seems untethered so we can make wise choices with just all the things that are going to come at us. And we'll try and move a little bit from general to specific on what I'm talking about. And I'll say ahead of time, this is more of a a vision message than a normal exegetical sermon. I I get that. But but here's what we're trying to prepare for. Uh, If we step back and look at what's happening Right now, we live in a time where literally everything is politicized. That's move one. And information is weaponized. That's move two. And the internet stands there waiting to catechize. That's three. That means every issue around us has become a political issue, right? COVID is a real thing, right? We get that, hopefully, Uh, But it's still been made political. Everything has been made political. And so information about the things that we go around has all been turned into weapons against the other political side. And the internet is is just waiting to tell us what we should believe about all things around us. So uh, as believers, what we do not want to do uh, is we do not want to get our understanding of uh, how to deal with all these political issues or ideologies. We don't want to be able to learn how to navigate those through Facebook posts or tweets or Instagram stories or YouTube videos or TikTok reels. I'm too old for TikTok. Maybe you guys have it. We, we, don't, we don't want CNN or, or Fox to tell us what to believe. And here's another side that, that, that we probably need to think about more. Popular Christian voices shouldn't be the only people who speak into the things that we see either. Instead, what we're hoping when we talk about a faithful biblical worldview is that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, along with our community, is where we go to faithfully be grounded no matter what comes at us, right? Really important. The Word of God with the Holy Spirit alongside community grounds us in the world that we live in. It seems that believers in droves have have been all too willing to to trade the the Word and the Holy Spirit for for what's a a popular modern voice or a perspective of an influencer or or a blog or or a person. Our vision is really just not to do that. We do not want to be swayed by new perspectives, but to be informed by God, His Word, and through His Spirit. And, And I mentioned this before, this vision message is just not about correction. It's just we want to clarify and begin to understand that we want to continue walking in this well. I think we've actually done fairly well in this. Uh, What I've seen is many pastors over the last two years that I know quite well have just been kind of gutted by the things that have came their way. Many that I know really, really well. And some of the issues that have came their way that have caused really difficult issues that, 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 that biblical worldviews would have helped with a lot is the Trump-Biden election, the leading up to it the actual election day uh, that was the election real thing, and, and then the riots. It's torn churches apart. 
the issue of how people spoke about George Floyd. If they said something, if they didn't say anything, what they did say or what they didn't say. How churches treated Black Lives Matter. Uh, churches and COVID lockdown frames was a big issue of contention. Did you give in to the man and shut your church or did you not do the loving thing and, and you opened your church at some point? Uh, mask policies, how we handle or push the vaccine, all of those have created just really, really big issues in and even churches locally, friends that I have, it's caused really big issues and factions and wars inside their church. And what I, what I do here is I stand here grateful knowing uh, that the really we haven't had that to a large degree. We haven't really made those things into gospel issues. So the call to faithful biblical worldview is not a matter of failure or, hey, we've got to do better in this because I think we've epically bombed in this. It's just an area that we've got to continue moving forward in because though the issues that I mentioned before have not derailed us, here's kind of the elephant in the room that we really, really need to be careful of. And even mentioning these, the hope is not to try and be contentious, but we have not been derailed by the other things. Sexuality, gender, abortion, refugees, the border, absolute truth, the deconstruction of faith and the health of that, grievances with all things, quote unquote, the church, critical race theory, public schools, and what they're allowed to teach our kids. And the really huge one, the inerrancy of scripture are all still coming. The others have not derailed us, but we've kind of navigated around uh, these things. And we need to understand that the world, uh, the world cannot be what forms what we believe about these things. The internet can't either. The word and the spirit need to. So we just want to circle the wagons and make sure with all the things coming, we want to critically think with the word on how to view these things so that we stay together and stay on God's mission instead of going astray. So I want to read just the core text that we're going to be in. If you've been around the church, this is probably one that you've heard on repeat, but it's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And it says this, in accordance to a faithful biblical worldview, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. When we talk about navigating our culture well, I do want to back up for a second and say we're not trying to divorce ourselves from our culture. Right? The, the culture that we're in is what we're called to be salt and light too. There are many who, who have believed in, and there's a really popular book right now called The Benedict Option, that, that essentially the best way to be Christian in our modern world is to hold to a, a, a monastic lifestyle, to just kind of isolate and separate away from the world. And that belief is, hey, the world is so jacked up, the only way not to get derailed is just to kind of, we'll go buy some land and, and we'll hang out. We don't want to do that. Right? We're not trying to start a cult. We're not stocking up on Kool-Aid. We're not trying to get away from uh, the world. We want to double down on the word together to be anchored in the world that we're supposed to be a part of. We want to navigate the world well instead of getting lost in it. We don't want to be conformed by the world or shaped by the world, but we do want to be faithful missionaries and ambassadors of Christ in the world. The scripture in 2 Timothy is one that we run the risk of not hearing. Right? We hear it, but I don't know if we always like, really hear it. It, it declares something just kind of amazing to us. All scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God. The origin is, is God the Father himself. This is a really big deal because so many voices right now are undercutting the word going, I, the, the inerrancy of the scripture isn't real. It's just man-made. It's just some guy and a man made it, but that's not what the word says about itself. 
The word says that God has inspired, breathed into every single scripture. What does that mean for us? The creation account in Genesis is breathed out by God and valuable. The story of Moses, the story of Pharaoh, the story of Exodus, the Levitical law, Samson, Ruth, Naomi, uh, Jonah, and every worshipful song is breathed out for, by God, and, and it's from God. The blush-inducing song of Solomon's, the one that you're, I don't want to read that with the kids around, that too is inspired by God. The genealogy in Matthew, the woman at the, the well, the tricky text in Romans, the Holy Spirit text in Corinthians, the battle armor of the Lord in Ephesians, elder qualifications in Titus and Timothy, the apocalyptic language in Revelations are all breathed out by God. They're not a man's idea. They're God's. Which means when we open that, we understand that the creator of the universe created this and he has something to say to us inside of it. It changes the value proposition. This wasn't some man who made this, and we decide if we want to associate with that man. The creator of the universe created those. What does that mean? The one who cast the stars into the sky, the one who separated the water from, from land, the, the one who, who, who made roly-polies and lions and puppies and ants and elephants and humans and men and, and women, the one who painted the, the, the sky with the colors that we get to see at night, the one who created the feeling of wind going through your hair and, and water rushing over your, your toes, the God who gave us the, the wonderful uh, feeling of adrenaline rushes, the ability to taste sour things and pucker our face, and, and it really even wired us with the ability to laugh so hard we think we're going to pee. The same gracious, good, creative, sovereign God breathed into the world and he hands it to us, and that means something. The origin of Scripture is with God. Yes, a man penned it. God led him to, to do it. We have to get that. We have to recapture the beauty of that. And, and we do not want to be fundamentalists who are trying to beat people with the word. We just personally want to be anchored to it. That's different. The second thing that this verse makes clear is the intent of Scripture. It's not just breathed out by God. Its origin isn't just God. The purpose is this. It is profitable. we got to get that. It, it's good for you. It's helpful for what? For teaching and reproof and correction and training. Notice the positive and negative aspects mentioned in the text. It's positive in this way. It can train you and it can teach you. The negative aspects, it can correct you and reproof you. Why? So that you can be complete. This word complete means you got everything you need. Right? You're not like, oh no, I don't know what to do. It teaches you so that you are prepared for every good work. Hear that. The scripture is breathed out by God. It does all things that you need to teach or correct you so that there's literally nothing that you're not prepared for. On the positive sense, the Bible will teach you how to live. On the negative sense, it'll correct you when you have lived wrongly. But it does it in a way that may be surprising in our individualistic Western culture. Because here's, here's what, it, when I grew up, there, there were some weird views about the Bible. We want to know, what does this mean to me? It, it's not going to tell you who to marry, or if you should marry, or how many kids to have, or what vocation to pursue, or what state to, to live in, or, or, or when you should do all of these things. There's no super specific type of information that this is going to give you about how you should live your personal uh, life yourself, but it does teach you about God, his character, his love, his creation, his design. It teaches about man. It teaches about woman. It teaches about how we fall into sin, how we need salvation, how we tend to, to struggle and put our identity in things outside of 
God, how we trust in things outside of the creator. It shows us the plan of God to save and even the end story that Jesus will come back and finalize all of it by bringing us into his, his kingdom. It tells us all of that. This means the Bible isn't a roadmap to your specific life, but it will guide you about who God is and how you are to live. So though it doesn't guide only you, it does for sure guide and teach you. We've got to get that. This verse was written to a specific person. It was written to a pastor and a leader named Timothy. He's trying to figure out, he's a super young guy trying to figure out, how am I going to lead this church when my mentor goes away? Uh, how am I going to have the knowledge of how to navigate this, how to, to live? How am I going to be able to teach other people how to live? How, how am I going to understand how to see the world, how to see God, how to handle new ideas? How am I supposed to know how to handle conflict and how to handle sin and how to handle culture when, when my mentor Paul isn't around and the counsel to him is the same as the counsel to us right now? When we are unsure, when we do not know what to do, when we do not know the answer, or we need to be taught, the scriptures are there, inspired and breathed out by God, ready and willing to speak into what we're going through. God has breathed them out to show us who he is and show us how to live inside his creation. The question that we need to, to, to kind of deal with a little bit is, is where do we go when we're unsure? Like, think about it now in the last couple of weeks. Where do you go when you're unsure about something? When a new kind of hot issue comes your way and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, what do you do to try and formulate how to, how to navigate? How are you forming your worldview? Do you Google it? Please tell me you don't go to Wikipedia. Never Wikipedia anything that has to do with the Bible. Do you phone a friend? Like, I need a lifeline. Garrett, can you help me out with this? Like, do you do you YouTube video? Do you do you see what 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 another believer is is saying about an issue? If you're unsure about it, let me let me just let me see what Chandler thinks. That'll be it. Let, let's do that. Do you do you see what Republicans think or or Democrats think? Do you do you follow what your parents think or do you low key kind of loathe your parents and you do the opposite of what they think? Like, what do you do? In our current day, it's it's pretty important that we think about this. Who is mentoring the way that we see? the world? Who's molding us? Guys, we got to be aware about that. If you answer, well, nobody, I'm a free thinker. I think on my own. In all of my Enneagram eightness, I say you're wrong. You don't live in a vacuum and neither do I. There's no person who isn't influenced by the world around them. The question isn't, does somebody influence you? The question is, who influences you? What influences you? What I pray we find our identity more and more in moving forward is what 2 Timothy is showing us here. We want to go to God for our worldview through his breathed out word. What does this look like? It's submission and humbling ourselves. God, I will not form my own opinion about this. God, I will not jump on the bandwagon of, of cultural pressure on this. God, will you speak to me? Teach me about this issue. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to follow you. Form my mind in a way to see the world around me so that I can live and represent you well and follow you well. Again, not a call to fundamentalism. We've got to understand how to live. Joseph Boot says this again, Gospel Witness is uh, the book that I've referenced a couple times. A biblical worldview is simply an appeal to the believer to take the Bible and its teaching seriously for the totality of our civilization right now and to not relegate it to some optional area called religion. A biblical worldview is taking the Bible 
and using it for how you see all things, not just Jesus things, all things. We are hoping that the Bible will shine light on not just religion for us, right? That it's not just the thing that shows us how we do this or how we make calls to worship or how to view things personally right or wrong or how to be generous or how to pray or how to fast or how to deal with conflict with another believer. That is extremely valuable, but we want to understand that the Bible speaks into way, way more than that. More often than not, the things around us, the Bible speaks clearly into. This is why Booth's line is so powerful. We have been tempted to believe in our own hearts, and we've been told that the Bible is an ancient book, that maybe it speaks into five, maybe 10% of the things that we go into, but it's too old, and it's too divorced from, from, from our modern culture. It cannot possibly speak into the things that, we, that we're actually going through, so I cannot go to that because it cannot be relevant to me. When the reality is, believers, the, the Bible speaks directly or indirectly into pretty much all things. This is what we need to, to hear, not to posture against other people. And I hope, I hope that you get this, no matter what the pressure looks like around you. The Bible is not even close to silent about sex or sexuality. It is chalked full of the word of God in it. The Bible is not even close to silent about gender, about marriage, about divorce, about abortion, about kindness to the foreigner. The Bible reaches in and it teaches us how to be married, how, how to be single. It teaches us over and over and over, do not put your hope into politics or the movements of men and women. And it even shows us, if we look, that, that the quote-unquote church killed Jesus, yet it's still his bride, who he willingly shed his blood for, and we are, if we are a follower of Christ, a part of. So it informs the, the rampant in our culture, the church bashing that we see everywhere. The word is not silent about what we see. There are times with the pressure that we may wish it was, but it's not. We want to hear personally from the word how to deal with all things around us. Man, I can't say it enough though. We're not trying to be those guys who correct everyone else. We want to know what to, to believe and how to see the world ourselves so we can walk it out well. This is not about yelling at everyone and hitting them with the Bible. It's about being anchored personally to the Bible and then loving well with the truth that is found in it. Now, here's a reason that, that a personal, and that word, that word is really important, why you having a personal, uh, faithful, biblical worldview is such a big deal. Because some who claim Christ and have the loudest voices in our culture right now have actually abandoned the teaching of Christ. And they're leading people astray. The Bible calls these people wolves and tells the elders to cast them out. In our local church, we have three elders, myself and Garrett and Blake. We are the elders. The Bible would say, hey, watch out for wolves, the three of us. If you hear them, if you see them, cast them out so that the sheep aren't hurt. Here's the problem that we walk into in our culture or in this moment in history. The voices of wolves in our church aren't as much inside the church, even though they're still speaking to the people of the church. Where do the voices of, of heresy come most often right now? Well, from your phone, from your tablet, from your TV. 
Elders cannot guard all voices that are coming into your head. So when we talk about a faithful biblical worldview, because we cannot possibly help out or see or filter out all the voices coming at us as a church, the necessity becomes this. We teach and we equip and we train us together so that we can be more mature together so that you and I may all on our own be able to diagnose unbiblical voices and not wonder and go astray because of them. Again, not to smash other people or posture against them, but so that we are not led astray. I realize that this type of element or vision of a faithful biblical worldview and talking about the culture and all these things may seem like alarmist or conspiracy theory or dark or pessimistic about the world that we live in. I just want to assure you that's not the case. I am fully confident in Jesus. I am not scared. I am not worried. There is not a, 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 a weird conspiracy behind all things. That is not it. And I am honestly more excited to be a part of Christ Church now because I see a moment in history where she needs to shine beautifully. But Jesus says this in John 16, 33, you will have suffering in the world. Be courageous. And he says, I've conquered the world. That's why we're not scared. But the reality is to be courageous. We cannot be courageous in our own thoughts or in the thoughts of other people. The courage comes from for us being anchored to Christ, his words and his ways, and then understanding that that we don't lose. To have a faithful biblical worldview as a priority is just not about fear. Christ has already won. He's already paid the cost for our sin on the Christ or on the cross. Christ has defeated death. And the word says this to us: nothing can separate from us from the love of God if we are in Jesus. If your faith is in Jesus, we cannot at the core be alarmist because we know how the story ends. Jesus conquers the world and he promised to take us home. For a moment in time, the church, including ourselves, have been, have been really blessed in maybe the, the last hundred-ish years. You could debate how long it is, but the Church of the West, the American Church, has been just really kind of lucky. There's been relatively little conflict, um, relatively no suffering for us in the West, and relatively little false teaching. Like there's like the cray cray guys and like the, the prosperity gospel guys, but it's pretty easy to be like, no, like it. It, it hasn't been that prevalent, but now as culture shifts and belief across the world begin to to morph. Um, we need a renewed conviction to know the scripture together so that we can just navigate the cultural change around us. Like I said a second ago, this is a beautiful time for mission. What has COVID taught us? That community is something we value. It is, it is put holes in people's worldview to where there's this aching for, for, for the eternal and knowing uh, more than they live in now. It's a beautiful time for the church to, to share Jesus and, and to shine. We're just going to need the word to do it. If this feels like a bummer or, or, or if it's unsatisfying, like with the last, like that's the last encouraging like vision message is we're going to be anchored to the world because the world's I don't know, how's this old book going to give us answers to modern problems? How is that actually going to help us? We just need to be anchored back to Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. We don't look at the word because we are weak and have no better option. 
We don't look to the word because they're like, we're stuck there and we just have no other choice and no other like better things that we can pull from. We hold to the word because it stands. Philosophies are going to come and go. Movements will rise and fall. Ideologies will, will grow and collapse. Ideas will be like a flash in the pan. No matter how the, loud the, the, the world may demand that we get on board with something coming our way, we can stand firm in the word. Why? Because it was and is and still is to come and will stand even when all other things pass away. The word is an anchor. A conviction to a faithful biblical worldview is about strength and not weakness because of that. It's also why it's not about fear. We just want to be prepared for what comes. We're not running and hiding. We just want to be ready. We believe that we're stronger resting in God's word than in anything else. So that's why I want to double down on it together. And the word is where God also reveals himself to us as a church. So we want to be committed to it even more. And that's not about punishment. It's about beauty. As you see the Lord more, that's a source of joy and renewal and building hope that, that he loves you and he cares for you and he's made a way for you and he promises not to abandon you and you get to see what he's like. Study the other world religions. There's no other God that goes, I want to reveal myself to you so we can know each other. You will not find it. It is not punishment to go to the word and attach to the word so that you can be uh, ha- have a foundation under you. And it is not punishment for the God of the universe to go, I want to show you who I am. Come here, look, look and let me show you. A couple of, of handles or application points for us to think through. A faithful biblical worldview will just really help us with what's happening right now. Right now, I, I hear... A couple things all the time. I, I hear this about a myriad of issues. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be frank. It's not just sexuality that I hear this about, but that is one. All over the place, we hear things like, the Bible doesn't speak about X, Y, or Z. Or the Bible doesn't say this about X, Y, or Z. Or the Bible says actually this about X, Y, or Z. As we grow in the word, hear the words with the Holy Spirit and together in community, we'll be more equipped to eat the meat and spit out the bones of everything that we're hearing around us. We'll be able to diagnose, like, that's nonsense. The Bible does talk about this. Uh, that's nonsense. The Bible actually says the opposite of that. We will be more grounded to be able to understand what is true, not to beat people with it, but to not be led astray in it. Right now, I hear a lot of people saying that you, uh, that you do not love your neighbor if you don't do X, Y, or Z as well, or that you actually are rejecting Jesus if you don't do this, this, or this. As we grow in the word and with the Holy Spirit and grounded amongst community again, we'll be able to decipher what of that is true and what is not. Why? Because the, the word is forming the way that we're looking at the world and all the things coming at us. So we're not so caught off guard. We're like, no, I, that's just not, that's not actually accurate. Right now, I see a lot of people turning non-gospel issue things into gospel issue things as well. Saying, if you don't jump on this movement or believe in this, if you don't support this, if you don't, uh, the really big one right now, if you don't view COVID this way, if you don't prioritize loving people over sharing truth with them, then you're disobeying Jesus and you are sinning. As we grow in the word with the Holy Spirit and in community, notice we're going to keep knocking on that door. We'll be better equipped for how to respond to those things. We do not want to turn non-gospel things into gospel things. This means health for us is going to the word before issues arise and when they come to know how to live. It, it means that we devote ourselves to going to the Holy Spirit regularly, going, Holy Spirit, show me, comforter, counselor. Will you give me wisdom for how to look at the things coming around me? 
Holy Spirit, speak to me about what is true. Show me Jesus. Show me his heart and how to, to see this as we open the word and pray that prayer and then lean into the blessing that we have that is community. Right? If we've read the word and we're asking the Holy Spirit and there's still issues that are confusing to us, what we want to do is have these general patterns in our missional communities and our DNA groups, or even you can come ask me or another leader uh, at the church that you go to other people going, man, I've been reading the word and, and I've been praying about this and I'm still just kind of unsure about this. Will you, will you open the word with me and, and help me how to see how to, how to view this instead of all of us going, no, 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 that's an individualistic thing. You form your opinion and I form mine. Instead, we come together going, man, I, I saw the word. I don't know what to think about this. Will you help me? Yeah, man, let's pray about that. Let's look. Let's see. Do you know how much of a blessing that is to have brothers and sisters that we're not posturing against that we just need to go like, I can't see how to think of this with a word. Can you help me with that? Will you pray with me about this? Man, I, I had these questions coming up at my work or, or in my neighborhood. I'm kind of running into this. I'm reading about this. I just don't know. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll be so happy to pray with you about that. Like, let's dig in together. And, and I kind of see this side. And I, I just want to show that to you. This is part of what community does. We're anchored to the word with the spirit and together. None of this again. Uh, I just want to be super careful. Um, we do not want to posture that the, the world's bad and terrible and we're going to be a smart, pompous, good ones. We're not trying to build a castle and throw stones at everyone around us. We just want to be strong and planted and secure in the word together, not swayed by everything that comes our way so that we can do our part to be faithful to Jesus, mature to Jesus, represent him well, and see people come to know him because even in the chaos, we're grounded and we can still share truth with them. If we are not grounded with the things that will come at us, what will happen is we will not know what to think. We will divide and we will not be missional. So we may lose our way, we will divide from each other, and the lost people around us will never come to see Jesus because we will be too, too busy really being pummeled at the things coming at us. We want to be faithful in how we approach the word to see the, word, the world so that we can live as ambassadors. I want to read, we're getting ready to, to close, but I want to read Matthew seven twenty four through 25. You ever read a parable when you're younger and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, and, and then in light of something else, you read it again, you're like, oh my gosh. I feel like this kind of does this. It's so basic, but it's also so true. It says, everyone, uh, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall. Us wanting to be continually faithful in our anchoring to the word and how we see the world. No, we don't want to fall. We don't want to be grounded in how the world sees things and then have wave after wave of things come at us and then kind of lose ourselves. We want to be anchored in. This is difficult. This is, there's heavy things coming, but I want to be anchored in the word and in Christ. This is the way we're viewing the word. Word, build us up. Let us be faithful to see the world as you do. Band, you guys can come back up. Ten years in, 
I think we've done really well in letting the word form us. The hope is that we'd get even better in this area, though. Letting scriptures, not opinions, or other voices or culture show us what to do and how to live. I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful that we've been able to do that fairly well so far. And here's this. I'm thankful that we're not left alone and without a clue. God has breathed out to show us himself and how to live. He, he, he has left us uh, with the word to show us how to be grounded. My hope is just that we grow in that today. And we continue to, to do that well. If we stand with me, we're going to be taking communion today as well. In this idea or scope of being grounded in Christ, part of that is just remembering the sacrifice that has been given to us. It is remembering that Jesus has paid a price. Even when the chaos of the world comes around us, it's understanding that the body and blood of Jesus was still broken. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The beauty is no matter what comes our way, and Jesus tells us in that scripture that we read in John before, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be trial, and there's going to be difficulty, and there's going to be waves that come our way. The reality in that is Jesus has still paid the price for our sin. He's still drawn us near. He, he is still the Savior who, it is not in doubt. No matter how many things come our way, it's not in doubt. We, we win because he wins. We want to be grounded in that. As you take today, you don't have to be a member to take. Just remember the body and blood of Jesus was shed for you. He has paid the full price for your sin. He is the one who's equipped you to be able to stand firm. I pray that your soul is nourished in that and that you are built up in that. We'll pray. God, I pray that you help us. Lord, straighten out just my words and what we've done here, Lord. I pray that you build an even stronger foundation, Lord, of people who are grounded. May your word, may your breathed out inspiration be the lens that we see all things through. May we learn to, to critically think with your word in our hearts so we don't have to panic, Lord, so we're not always on our heels wondering how to navigate or what to do. I pray that we not become strong in ourselves, but just grounded in you. Help us, Lord. I pray that you keep your hand over us, that we would not divide when more and more things come at us, but that we'd be strong in you. And we would share your love well with the world around us so they may see the beauty of who you are and what you've done. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, your goodness to us. I pray that you would stir gratitude in us that you have not left us. We love you. Be glorified today.